reaching ties and Adan, which uh, also treasured the conflict in these areas. It's important to note that people need this war to, to end, but not only the airstrikes, but also the militias fight in, in ties and other areas that is also leaving people in hard living conditions. That was Osama al-Fakin, a resident in the Yemeni capital, Sana. How is this ceasefire different then from the previous ones? I've also been speaking to Adam Barron, who's a fellow of the European Council on Foreign Relations, and he was a journalist in Yemen from 2010 to 2014. When we compare this to the previous two ceasefires, there's been a lot more work done uh, beforehand. We've had, for example, the formation of this joint committee uh, between representatives of the Houthis and representatives of the anti-Houthi uh, pro-Hadi army. Uh, we've had this truce on the Yemeni-Saudi border between the Houthis and the Saudis in place, albeit a shaky one, but generally in place for the past few weeks. So there are signs that there have been more trust-building measures uh, before the implementation of the truce this time around. That being said, even in the best-case scenario, this is going to be a shaky truce. And I think it's rather unrealistic to expect a one-size-fits-all ceasefire to instantly put an end to the mosaic of fighting between, you know, a cornucopia of armed groups in Yemen that has been raging, you know, in this current form for a year and then in some form or another for a number of years and as long as a decade and a half. Is it possible to unpick that cornucopia, as you describe it, of players in this conflict? I mean, on the one hand, we have the supporters of former President Ali Abdullah Saleh and the Houthis. Uh, They're on one side opposed to the Saudis and opposed to Hadi. On the opposite side, you have this variety of groupings that are opposed to Houthis and opposed to Salah. And these people are united more in what they oppose than what they actually believe. So in that sense, you have uh, factions of the army that are loyal to President Hadi. You have these anti-Houthi militia groups, the resistance militias, who say that they accept Hadi's legitimacy as president and say they're supporting him, but also maintain a tremendous amount of autonomy. In some sense, we're dealing with people who, you know, they say that they view Hadi as their president, but they still, generally speaking, are not necessarily are not necessarily listening to him. In addition to that, you have the southern secessionists who are, uh, you know, don't recognize Yemen as a as a unified country and are working to restore the pre-1990 status quo where Yemen was two countries. And then finally, you have groups like Al-Qaeda and uh, the Islamic State, you know, these radical groups which are obviously not taking their cues from Saudi Arabia, obviously not taking their cues uh, from the Hadi government and are aiming to, you know, ignite everything and present any sort of peace process from taking hold because, of course, uh, nothing benefits al-Qaeda and groups like that more than a continued power vacuum in Yemen. The the power vacuum in Yemen is one thing, but I I wonder if you can just explain the, the geopolitics of this particular conflict because the Saudi coalition and the Iranians who are backing the Houthi or some of the Houthi militia are are clearly playing out their respective game inside Yemen. Is that the reason why this matters beyond, of course, the terrible conflict and the impact on, on the Yemeni people? That's almost a side note to the way I view it. Obviously, this conflict represents a tremendous threat to Saudi Arabia's security, but it's I think the Iranian aspect of it, even if that's often highlighted, in reality, the Houthis don't represent a threat to Saudi Arabia uh, because they have this affinity and these ties with Iran and Hezbollah. At the end of the day, the Houthis represent 
a threat to Saudi Arabia because they are a militia that has taken over Yemen and a militia that has been lobbing missiles across the border (laughs) into Saudi territory for some time. That's kind of one key aspect. Obviously, on the geopolitical level, Yemen sits right on the Bab el-Mendeb, one of the most strategic straits in the entire world. You also have the fact that Yemen has historically been home to a very active al-Qaeda affiliate whose growth has certainly given uh, the United States, uh, the United Kingdom, and other Western nations, to say nothing of of Yemen's neighbors in the Arabian Peninsula, a great degree of pause. Um, I think generally speaking, it's hard to imagine, at least in the medium and long term, a truly stable Arabian Peninsula as long as this conflict is allowed to fester in this form. Adam Barron of the European Council of Foreign Relations. Lots of background on Yemen on our website, bbc.com forward slash news. You'll know if you're a regular listener that Team News Hour was in Ethiopia a couple of months ago, covering the country's remarkable economic progress, but also looking at the impact of its worst drought in almost...